0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding National Liberal Arts College. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this 8th edition of the 1853 podcast of Mammoth's 2018-19 school year, we'll preview the theater department's upcoming production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. We'll also hear about an exciting upcoming panel on October 24 that will discuss the future of rural schools right here at Mammoth College, and we'll also meet the new members of Mammoth's M Club Athletic Hall of Fame. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Before we chat with this week's guest, a few notes about upcoming events on campus, but first, a big shout out to my colleagues in the Monmouth Alumni and Development and College Relations Offices. Under the outstanding leadership of Associate Vice President for Development and College Relations Hannah Maher, Mammoth had another wonderful and memorable homecoming last weekend. The weekend was yet another reminder of why it's great to be a Scot. In terms of upcoming events, be sure to stop in the Lynn G. Everett Gallery over in the Hughes Library between now and November 2, That's because a great exhibit by Mama's own art professor, Stephanie Baugh, is on display. The show is called Objects and Experience, and it's definitely worth your time to browse the gallery to admire and appreciate Stephanie's outstanding work. We'll hear from Stephanie later this month in a podcast. And Mamma's Department of Theater has two must-see performances this month. The first, as I mentioned, is William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. That will be performed October 25 through the 28th at the college's Fusion Theater, which is at 230 South Main Street in downtown Monmouth. Later in the podcast, we'll talk to new theater professor Todd Quick. He's directing the production. Then on October 30 and 31, there will be an encore production from last season, Philip Ridley's In Your Face, The Pitchfork Disney. That will be performed in the college's Wells Theater, and there's more information about both plays in the news section of the Monmouth College website, mammothcollegeedu news. This is the Mammoth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. In addition to those great upcoming fine arts events that are scheduled at Monmouth, you'll also want to be sure to mark your calendar for October 24. That's when the Monmouth College Department of Educational Studies will hold a panel discussion about the future of rural schools. It's called the Future of Public Education, Local and National Initiatives to Address Rural Teacher Shortages. The panel will be held at 7 o'clock on Wednesday, October 24, in the college's Center for Science and Business in the Pati Auditorium, and that's room 100. The event's co-sponsored by the Monmouth College Department of Educational Studies and the Monmouth branch of the American Association of University Women. The event is free and open to the public. Monmouth Educational Studies professor Michelle Simmons says the panel will address an important topic in education— which the college is working to address.
1: We have a lot of really exciting new things going on with rural teachers. Um, We have our new Tartans program um, and we have eight students who are participating in that program. Uh, This year is really when we're getting off the ground. Last year we had uh, a couple students who uh, were our very first group, um, but we're really putting a lot of effort.
0: Michelle says the panelist is made up of an all-star lineup of three education experts along with an aspiring educator.
1: And uh, the panelists will be Gary Funk, who is the director of the Rural Schools Collaborative. Um, That is a nationwide organization uh, focused on um, the uh, revitalization of rural areas. Um, secondly, we have Toby Vias, who is the Director of Student Services in the Farmington School District. Um, he's going to be giving the school district perspective. Um, he actually is a Monmouth alumni. Um, thirdly, we have Tammy LaProd, who is a professor in the Department of Educational Studies. She's going to be addressing um, how higher ed, and specifically Monmouth College, is. Um, addressing the issue of rural schools and rural teacher shortages. And then finally, we have Kylie Payne, who is a student in our program, um, and she's going to be uh, talking about our program called the Tartans, uh, which is uh, Monmouth College's uh, um, program of a rural teacher core, where we are um, helping uh, to... uh, prepare teachers to uh, be leaders in rural schools and then uh, stay in rural schools.
0: Michelle says that Mom Miss Tartan's program, and that stands for Teachers Allied with Rural Towns and Neighborhood Schools, is but one example of how the college aims to provide more teachers for schools in rural areas.
1: And the intention is to um, recruit and retain teacher leaders in rural schools. And so we feel well prepared uh, here at Monmouth College in the Department of Educational Studies to participate in an initiative like that because we are very much in a rural area. Um, We are preparing teachers who often are uh, going to be in rural areas. And so we want to not just give them a license but also um, give them something more, prepare them to be leaders in those areas and uh, so we have some programming um, where they are uh, connecting with community organizations community assets and uh, we are hoping that this program will uh, set students up very well to uh, move into positions uh, in rural areas not just here in the Monmouth area but extended into other areas as well um, where they will become leaders in those communities.
0: And Michelle says that rural schools often face a shortage of teachers.
1: Pretty much every school district uh, across the state of Illinois, and really in other areas as well, uh, has uh, open positions. Um, And so um, it is uh, vital. uh, You know, it's it's really urgent that we get uh, strong teachers in these rural areas.
0: Michelle says that the October 24 education panel is a good example of Mama's commitment to its region.
1: To uh, let the community know that uh, we are interested in the um, vitality of um the community here in Monmouth, but also in the the surrounding area and other areas um, that are struggling to to retain and recruit teachers um we want to be connected to the community we appreciate all of the uh, schools that work with us um, to uh, have our students as practicum students and as uh, student teachers and so this is our you know little tiny way of giving back to, com- to the community to provide maybe some professional development um, and to provide an opportunity to connect with other teachers who are interested or teachers and other people who are interested in education um, to connect with each other
0: That's educational studies professor, Michelle Simmons, talking about the upcoming October 24 education panel, the future of public education, local and national initiatives to address rural teacher shortages. Once again, that panel, which is open to the public, will be held at seven o'clock Wednesday evening on October 24 in Patti Auditorium of the college's Center for Science and Business. One of William Shakespeare's more delightful plays is the comedy A Midsummer Night's Dream. It's a tale of romance, love, mistaken identities, and more than enough intrigue to fill at least a season of a modern TV show. Mammoth College's Department of Theater will present A Midsummer Night's Dream on October 25 through October 28. It will be performed at the Fusion Theater, which is down on Main Street. The production will be directed by visiting theater professor Todd Quick. As Todd points out, A Midsummer Night's Dream is a great show to produce
2: and view. And Midsummer specifically is a great sort of a first Shakespeare for actors, for designers, uh, for me working with these students for the first time. You know, it's one of Shakespeare's earliest plays Chronologically, and so the language, the structure of the verse is a little more accessible than some of his later plays. And for the designers, it offers sort of a feast of possibilities. We have a couple of great student designers working on this show, so I knew that Midsummer would open up their imaginations to all of the possibilities.
0: Of course, one of the great joys about watching a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream is the play's rich and very entertaining characters.
2: Uh, You have so many wild and ridiculous characters. You have a pair of uh, lovers living through a love triangle that end up uh, in the forest in the middle of night outside the city with magic spells, uh, crisscrossing who's in love with who, and you have uh, a, a crew of amateur actors who are putting on a play within the play uh, who are ridiculous and not very skilled at all. And that's a, a pretty interesting delight for our college actors to have to portray bad actors because our actors are so good. It's an extra challenge to appear to not be good while they're doing the play within the play. And any time you throw, you know, hobgoblins and fairies and magical creatures in a play, it's a guaranteed good time.
0: For the cast of A Midsummer Night's Dream, performing the play has broadened their horizons.
2: Uh, None of the actors in the show, we have 11 actors in this production, Uh, none of them had ever performed Shakespeare before, a couple had taken Shakespeare classes here at Monmouth or in high school, or had done a workshop here and there, but performing Shakespeare is a brand new experience uh, for everyone uh, on stage in the show, and so watching them learn how to bring the language to life and how to effectively share it with an audience has really been exciting for me to watch how quickly they've been growing in leaps and bounds with their skill and facility with the language and I think it's going to lead to a really exciting product when we open at the end of October.
0: Todd says the Fusion Theater is an ideal place to stage A Midsummer Night's Dream.
2: ...space for Shakespeare. It's a small black box theater, which gives us unlimited opportunities of how we want to arrange the set and the audience seating. And we chose to stage this production in a thrust configuration... So, we have audience surrounding the actors on three sides, which creates a really intimate actor audience relationship, which I think is the key to Shakespeare. Uh, We have a fairly minimalist set design, Uh, we have fairly simple but effective costume designs, which all serve to highlight the language that what it's really all about for me is about an actor standing alone in the center of the stage speaking directly to the audience. Shakespeare is great because it features so much direct address where an actor will look at an audience member, look at them right in the eyes and speak directly to them. And that's a really powerful thing. If you've only ever experienced theater where the audience sits in the dark and the actors pretend the audience isn't there, this is going to be a very different experience for you when an actor walks out and looks right at you and asks you a question in the play and stares at you and waits for an answer. It's, um, it's something that we wouldn't be able to experience in the same way if we moved over into our larger Wells Theater. So the fusion is sort of uh, tailor-made for this production.
0: Todd admits that he hasn't always loved Shakespeare. But that all changed for him when he saw the Bard's
2: words performed on stage for the first time. It, I had read Shakespeare in high school and admit that I was not the most enthusiastic reader of Shakespeare. But the first time I saw a great professional production uh, when I was in junior high or high school, it just completely opened up my eyes. It was a play that I didn't know anything about and a play not nearly as funny as A Midsummer Night's Dream. But it just changed the course of my life. Hearing these actors speaking these words and and feeling the, the weight of the emotions and the angst and the drama in the poetry really opened up my eyes and my ears to how powerful Shakespeare can be.
0: Shakespeare wrote A Midsummer Night's Dream toward the end of the 16th century. Todd says that among the reasons the plays remained relevant over all these years is because of the timeless subjects that Shakespeare addresses in the play and also the wonderful language he uses to tell the story.
2: That's what's, I think, really amazing every time people come to see live Shakespeare is recognizing that relevance, is realizing that the things that these characters are going through, particularly if you look at the Four Lovers Every college student audience is going to think back to a relationship that they're in now or something from earlier in college or from high school, and it's going to speak to them. They're going to recognize these people 450 years later. Uh, And not just that, but I think what really keeps Shakespeare universal and keeps Shakespeare as part of our performance seasons is the language. You know, Shakespeare didn't invent pretty much any of his plots. He begged, borrowed, and stole almost every plot that he used in his plays and so it's not the plot that keeps us coming back to Shakespeare it's the language there's something about the way he mastered the verse the poetry that you can just come to a play sit and close your eyes and the power of the words will just transport you to a different time and place which is really special and uh, hearing it and experiencing it live on the stage rather than on the page is an experience like no other.
0: That's Monmouth Theater Professor Todd Quick. He's directing Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream October 25 through October 28 down at Diffusion Theater, which is down on Main Street. To read more about it or to order tickets, go to the Theater Department's website and that address is monmouthcollege.edu slash theater and that's theater spelled R-E. Before we get into this week's athletic segment, a reminder of the multitude of ways in which you can follow Mammoth College throughout the social media spectrum. The college's main Facebook page is Facebook.com slash College. The college's main Twitter account is at Mammoth, and the college is on Instagram at Monmouth College. If you're on Snapchat, be sure to follow Mammoth on Snapchat, and that's at this is Mammoth. And when you're tailgating this fall before a Monmouth College football game, be sure to do two things. Dial up the pregame show on WRAM and then listen to some great songs on the Monmouth College Spotify channel. During last weekend's homecoming celebrations, three new members were inducted into the M Club Hall of Fame. The M Club honors those who had stellar careers on one of Monmouth's athletics teams, either as a player or as a coach. The three new members of the 35th class inducted into Monmouth's Athletic Hall of Fame last Saturday morning were 1966 alumnus Doug Carlson. He ran cross-country and track. Two-sport athlete Rob Purley of the class of 2004. He played basketball and football and then 2008 alumnus and two-time national pole vault champion, Johnny Hankins. The three were inducted in the Huff Athletic Center before a standing room only audience. Doug Carlson spoke for all three inductees when he described what it means to be inducted into the M Club, especially when you consider the company that you join. So
3: it's quite humbling. Uh, You go back to the room where all of the plaques are, and, 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 and you look around and on the upper left hand corner is a, is a fellow who is not just in the M Club Hall of Fame he's in the Green Bay Packer Hall of Fame so it's, it's, it, it's just incredible to be in the same room on the same set of walls with all of these folks uh, I, as I entered college I, I, I could not have imagined and I'm still
0: kind of taken aback, and, and I'm most pleased and grateful. While he ran cross-country in track and field for Monmouth, Doug was among a small and distinguished group of Harriers to earn All-Midwest Conference honors three or more times. He also placed in the top three nationally at least twice. He accomplished that as a junior and a senior. But for Doug, what happened after his time running at Monmouth is what is especially memorable for him the following occurred uh, as, as as you heard
3: i I, I was uh, a one-year high school runner and then I h- had some success here and that was that was so unexpected that i I come away from that thinking to myself if I can do that I can do anything and 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 to, and to me that's uh translatable into uh, every college athlete's experience and all you have to do is is you know you have to compare yourself to other people if you if you just do some work and 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 better yourself
0: it's it's kind of the same thing the son of standout monmouth college quarterback dave Purley of the class of 1978 who was inducted himself into the hall of fame in 1999 Rob Hurley helped usher in a new era in the passing game for Monmouth Scotts football during his playing years in the early 21st century. By the time Rob was finished, Monmouth was again a force in the Midwest Conference and he had written the program's passing records. Rob says that continuing a family tradition both on the playing field and in the M Club meant a lot to him. About um Kind of following in my father's footsteps, and so that's what made it very special for me. Is like I said, just to, to join my dad and and all the great former student athletes here. As a football player at Monmouth, Rob was the Midwest Conference's Offensive Player of the Year as a senior, and throughout his football career, he completed 514 passes for 8,017 yards. But Rob says that the records are secondary to the experiences he had playing for Monmouth. My experience here was, was uh, everything and more that I could have hoped it to be. And this place is so special. And uh, I'd go back and do it tomorrow. You know, I think the relationships with the people that I met here, w- when I was coming down as a, for my very first day of school, my dad said, you're going to meet people today that will become the best friends that you'll have. And that statement was very, very true, as uh, a lot of them are here to them. So those relationships. Johnny Hankins is one of four Scots to clear 17 feet in the pole vault in the time of his induction into the M-Club Hall of Fame. He won two national titles in the event. He says that being a member of the M-Club is one of the highest honors he's received. Uh,
3: being a part of the M-Club Hall of Fame room is, uh, is very honoring. Like I said, uh, I walked into that room when I was a freshman and I just was overwhelmed with the amount of ability that I was, I
0: was looking at on those walls. So being a part of that is very special. And Johnny says that his time as a Mammoth athlete helped set him up for his career today. Uh, being a Mammoth student
3: athlete has uh, actually driven my career. I'm a personal trainer now for uh, pro skiing and snowboard athletes. So a lot of my, um, my knowledge from school and from track and field has stemmed over into uh, my field.
0: That's Mammoth Hall of Fame pole vaulter Johnny Henkins from the class of 2008. You also heard from Rob Purley of the class of 2004 and Doug Carlson of the class of 1966. They're the three new members of the Mammoth College M Club Hall of Fame. You can read more about them in the news archive section of MammothScots.com. That's your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. And don't forget to follow Monmouth Athletics on Twitter. You can do that at MC Fighting Scots. looking ahead to next week's 1853 podcast we'll hear from some of the alumni impact award recipients who were honored at this year's homecoming weekend art professor stephanie ball will tell us about that exhibit she has in the lengy Everett gallery and we'll check in with the friendly folks as we do almost every week at the huff athletic center to see what's happening in monmouth college athletics and that's going to be a 30 for this eighth edition of Mammoth College's 1853 podcast of the 2018-19 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Mammoth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day.